I invite you to now turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to continue our series this morning of the significance of communion. The title of this morning's message is The Transition. The Transition of Jesus Transforming the Last Supper, the Last Passover Supper, into the first ever Lord's Table, or the first ever Lord's Communion. And Matthew chapter 26, I'm just going to read two verses this morning, just quickly. Um, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This morning I would like to really, before we depart from the the Last Supper, one final uh, awareness, I guess you put it, into actually what happened on that, uh, or during that meal. There's a lot of things happened that night, because we get into the morning, gets into the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when he gets arrested and taken away, and then from there the crucifixion happens. But what actually happened during the Passover meals? And you'll notice with me this morning, I thought I would give an illustration, an actual visual on and what um, was around, um, what they uh, did celebrate, what they continue to celebrate today, that is uh, the Jews, but mainly uh, what happened on that night, I really want to focus on. Actually, before I get to that, I will. I did leave you hanging last week because we know we went into the betrayal last week of, of Judas, and and the question was, you know, um, when did Judas leave? Because he says he immediately immediately left after um, Jesus dipped the bread and gave it to him in the in the uh, the uh, in the pace of the the, the the sauce. And the question is which lots of people ask, did Judas Iscariot take part in the Lord's table? I guess this is significant because to me, you know, if if Jesus is to institute the Lord's table for the first time, to me every person in there should be a believer. Um, As the Lord's table is really ultimately only for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ and, and, and Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot would never put his faith into him uh, through his foreknowledge at that time. But the reason people ask this question is because if you look at Luke chapter 22, and you might want to turn there for yourself, Luke chapter 22, Luke talks about the the bread and the cup. Uh, just say, for instance, verse 19, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me, just like what we just read in Matthew's account. 
Um, likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament of blood, which is um, shed for you. So he, he said that, and then Luke goes on to say, but, but behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. But wait a minute. Didn't Matthew just mention that before? We're, talk, we're, we're, we're being transitioned into the Lord's table, and, you know, and then you know, truly the Son of Man goes in verse 22. Um, while unto him who is betrayed, and they beginning to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this but thing. And I guess the answer to that question, which has confused lots of people uh, through the years, is you have to look at Luke's reputation. Luke has a reputation for writing um, non-chronologically. In other words, he is a thematic writer. What that means is that Luke... Instead of writing from what happened from next to next, he rather writes about themes. He writes about subjects um, rather than what happened in order. For example, um, flick back a few chapters to chapter 3 of Luke. This is an example. I think it's Luke chapter 3. Yes, verse... Uh, no, uh, let's just start at... Um, so, at the start of chapter 3, you know, we're talking about John preaching repentance, um, John addressing the multitude in verse 7, then verse 15, and as the people were in expectation and all men um, amused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. So there's speculation, is this the Messiah? Is this the Christ? Um, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I come, uh, the latch of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. Remember those famous words. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And then verse 19, he says, But Herod the Tetrarch, uh, being reproved by him for Herodias his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut him, up John in prison. So straight away, he's, he's, he's just skipped through that, um, you know, that story of John um, approaching Herodias and, and he ends up in prison. Um, and then, in verse 21, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized uh, and praying the heaven was open. So now it's talking about Jesus' baptism. Who baptized Jesus? of John the Baptist. But how could he have done it if he was in prison? Well, obviously, he wasn't. And this is an example of John, just, uh, not John, Luke, going from subject to subject. He got to the point. And one reason this could have been is because when Luke was written, it was pretty much later than Matthew, Mark, and, Luke's, uh, and, and John's account. Um, by the time Luke had written his account of the Gospel, Paul had already written 1 Corinthians. So we're talking about already there's trouble in the church and they're already abusing the Lord's table, which we're going to get into uh, in future weeks. Um, so that might have been the reason that Luke did that. You know, everyone knew the story. Uh, but that's a reproof or a rebuttal to why we believe uh, Judas Iscariot did not take part in the Lord's table, as Luke might suggest that he does.
give the appearance that he did. So this morning, as I just said, we uh, might have been a new revelation for you. I knew it was for some that the table that they took part in was a U-shaped table. And in that U-shaped table, there was Jesus being second facing the table on the left, John on his right being as the, um, the, the, the second most important there, uh, as the Jewish custom was. Judas Iscariot being to Jesus' left, and which was the guest of honor. And then from that moment on, everyone is seated in, in accordance to importance in relation to the Jewish tradition. And we understand that Peter over here is the least important which we understand might be the reason of why they argued. Again, remember this was the second argument they had of who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Keep that in mind. They had just started, most likely, the meal with giving thanks, as, as was a usual custom. And you'll notice before me, I have four glasses of um, wine. Okay? Uh, this is not literal wine, by the way. Uh, this is grape juice, for those who are wondering, because I'm about to pass it out to the kids, whoever wants one, uh, so it's not wasted. But this is just for illustrative purposes. This wine, just to make sure we're all on the same page, back in the day was diluted with water, so it's not the wine that we drink or the strength of the wine that we drink today. It is believed, however, that during the Passover meal, it was doubly diluted. So instead of um, one, uh, the ratio being one to two, more than likely during the Passover meal, since it was a sacred um, uh, memorial and commemoration that they're, that they're partaking in, quite, quite serious, they actually, it's believed that they did one to three, so doubly diluted, uh, more water than was in the, the, the usual um, an everyday uh, occurrence. Whenever they drank, that is. <laughs> Not the same they did every day. Excuse me. Um, the first cup. Most, most agree, that is scholars that is, because that, uh, uh, there is debate amongst what these symbolize, because everything has a symbol, remember? The first cup, they, um, they took part in after the prayer. And most agree that this is called the, the Kiddush, the Kiddush, which um, means sanctification. So this was the cup that opened, that initiated, that began the meal that they were to have together. Um, they would talk, obviously, um, I think, I believe, about the blessings of God and, and, and how they've you know, come to where they have been. Then they, remember, had this large dish of water, and they would have taken part in some ceremonial cleansing where they washed their hands. This is interesting because after doing that, they would have had that argument that, you know, was, was fed off pride. <laughs> is it not when you say, uh, who's going to be the greatest? That ha no, no humility in the place, but they've just cleansed themselves because it's more of a you know, personal cleansing that we're coming um, refreshed, renewed before the presence of God and remembering what he's done for us in the past in that, our people were under slavery for 430 years and we have been 
rescued from that. Next, they would have had some kind of unleavened bread. Uh, we, we, we would have called this in our days an appetizer or an entree. Okay? Americans call it appetizers, we call it entree. So they would have had an entree of unleavened bread. They would have had the herbs, which you might be, remember me saying that the herbs uh, symbolize that, the bitterness of being under slavery. Um, and with that uh, herbs, they would have had the paste that I've been continuing to talk about. They, they call it the, I think it's under the Jewish accent, haraset or haraset. Okay? Maybe it's not enough in there. Haraset. Okay? Uh, that's the, the paste or the dipping sauce. We call it a dip, right? Because you want to get your bread into some kind of, make it, make it taste somewhat nice, right? They did, just didn't have this bread um, and then just eat it like that. So that would have been an entree. And then after that, they would have had a second cup. The second cup, which is believed to be called the, the, the cup of plagues from my research, the cup of plagues. Um, this is where the head of the table, being Jesus in this meal, would have talked about you know, how, uh, and this is done every year, by the way, in the Passover meal, they talk about the story of how God um, took them through the Exodus. Okay, so it's the telling forth of the story. What, the, what, what are we here for? The meaning of this meal. So this is the second cup, the cup of plagues. After that, more than likely, they would have done some singing. And the singing is called, or they would have sung what we call the Hallel. This is the H word I was looking for this morning, the Hallel. The Hallel comes from the English word we say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise. The Hallel is believed to be Psalms, 113 to Psalm 118. Now some say they sung it all at the end. Some say they sung two of the psalms here, 113 and 114 at this time, which to me makes more sense just to you know, mix up the singing. But that's the Hallel they, they sang after that. The lamb is brought out now. Remember, the lamb had to be fully roasted, no bone broken, it had to be perfect, perfect sacrifice. All of it's described in Exodus chapter 12. So this would have been passed on from generation to generation. That's come out. And are they going to have the lamb by itself? Probably not. More than likely, they're going to have some more unleavened bread and the, the, the haraset and, and all that stuff. So they would have had some mixture um, with, with, their, with their lamb just to probably to, um, to break it up, the, 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 the flavor. So, bread, it's, it's, it's obviously, it would have been bigger than this, would have been a large loaf, so you would have had to break it off and, and give you know, a bit to each person. More than likely, the head of the table would have done that. And then they would have had the third cup. Okay, so this third cup right here of wine, remember, doubly diluted with water, this is um, sometimes called the cup of redemption or the cup of blessing. It's most commonly referred to as a cup of blessing because we believe that Paul relates this cup of blessing um, to what he describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
where he's um, transferring the cup of blessing to the cup of the Lord. So this is the cup, the third cup, where we believe it takes place uh, that Jesus transforms this cup into what he symbolizes as his um, blood. So after this one, they would have done some more singing, probably the rest of the Hallel, so Psalms 115 to Psalm 118. And then after that, they would have concluded with a fourth cup of wine, and this is often called, actually called the Hallel. That's, they probably, probably would have done some more singing with that in hand. Um, but some people call it the cup of acceptance. Okay? Some people also relate this one. Now, I don't think Jesus did this, by the way, because it wouldn't make sense that Jesus did this, because you might be wondering right now, asking the question, why do you have a fifth cup? What is the fifth cup, and why is it empty? Because Peter more than likely would have asked this question, because he's the one that got me the cups. And so, five cups. Why have you only filled four? Today, let's just say a Jewish celebrates Passover, which some still do. Um, this is like the cup of Elijah because they're asking Elijah to come down and herald or declare for the Messiah to come forth, come down to earth and, and, and resurrect his kingdom, which we know the Messiah is Jesus Christ, but they haven't got onto that yet. They're still waiting for him, aren't they? Boy, they'll know when this, the second coming arrives. Is that the only thing that happened? Oh, no. What else happened during that night? Well, we went through the betrayal. We know about the washing of the feet. Jesus humbling himself and washing all the disciples' feet, being a, a, a lesson for all the disciples. In and amongst that, with the betrayal, came the entering of Satan into Judas after he dipped bread. Judas has left. We had the, the most, more than likely, with the, the section we're going to get into the Lord's table. What else happened? You look at John. Never realize this. John, uh, chapter 14, has famous verses on, you know, in, in uh, you'll have many mansions. Uh, John, chapter 15, we're talking about the vine and the branches and. and, and you know, remember, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. John chapter 16. In the world you shall have tribulation. Now, these are famous chapters that we reflect on and, and we get a lot of verses from. That all would have been in this, in, this, um, in this night. That would have been preached to the disciples during the Passover meal. When that happened? Well, we don't know exactly. Was it all at one go? Well, we don't know. Uh, John chapter 17. That whole chapter devoted to the prayer of Jesus. That's a whole prayer. A big prayer. Um, that would have been tonight in the Passover meal. Uh, most likely towards the end. Um, because they said, if you go later on in, verse, uh, in the chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, in verse 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out um, into the Mount of Olives. Whether the prayer came after that or before, we don't know. It's not recorded. But all that stuff happened. So this would have taken quite a long time, right? We're talking about hours and hours. And, and in and through that, there would have been, you know, in, informal conversation uh, between each other, just like a normal, um, you know, gathering of, you know, men and, you know, hey, how's things and all that stuff. So a lot of stuff happened. But in and through that, 
which we believe. Matthew chapter uh, 26, and and, and in the third cup, that third cup, which we believe this took part, we're focusing on verses 26 and 27 just just briefly. And and I'll start it this week, most likely conclude it next week, but the the first communion, which we're going to explore, will go under these three headings, the directive that was given by Jesus, the doctrine that, that entails, and the duration of this Lord's table. So quickly, here it is. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So a few things that might be um, new to you and ask, answering, asking questions at this time. As they were eating, so most likely as they were still eating the lamb because the lamb, according to the Jewish law, had to be eaten by midnight. So they had to midnight to do it. It was a whole lamb, so it would have taken quite a long time. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. More than likely, he would have taken the bread and he blessed it. Now this blessed is very similar to what he does with a cup. He gives thanks. To me, these terms are used synonymously. They are different Greek words, but when you look at when these words are used, blessed and give thanks, they are used quite interchangeably. With the blessing would have come giving thanks. The giving thanks down here, when he does it in the cup in verse uh, Matthew in verse 27, the Greek word Eucharisto is where we call, uh, well, with Catholics rather, um, call this communion the Eucharist. So that's the other term um, that uh, is given to the Lord's table, the Eucharist, and that's what it means: giving thanks. So each time we come together, we are giving thanks for the bread and the cup. So he blessed it. He gave thanks to it. You'll notice in Luke, of which we just read, it says um, he, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Luke does not say blessed. He gave thanks. He broke it. Why did he break it? I used to be under the belief, because I, I read 1 Corinthians. What does he say? This is my body which is broken for you. And I thought, you know, because I've seen many people do it. We have a cracker or whatever, and he breaks it. Does he break it to symbolize the body? Or did he just break it just to be able to hand it out to each other? (laughs) Could it be that it was just he broke it off just to say that, hey, here you go. John, here you go. Peter, here you go. James. Paul uses a particular word in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says this body is broken for you because we know Jesus' body was not broken. All you have to do is read John chapter 19 verse 36 not a, uh, as a prophecy that was, had to be fulfilled. Not a bone was broken. Which again, ties in to the Passover lamb. Not a bone could have been broken with the animal lamb. Same with Jesus. Not a body was broken. And this broken that Paul states in 1 Corinthians doesn't actually necessarily mean a break. Uh, There's plenty of times in Scripture when we say somebody was broken and, and, and in a way his skin was torn, so his skin was broken. 
it's not a literal, it's not a literal break. It's not literally broken. So, so say, for instance, when I say my heart is broken, does it mean does my heart has broken in two? You know, no, my heart is just broken. It, 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 it's, it, it can be figurative language. In the sense, it still means the same thing, but um, but that's had to explain the what might seem like a contradiction between John chapter nineteen and verse thirty-six and and what we read here. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." We'll get into that next week. With this is my body, and he took the with the doctrine. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. Quite, quite um, simple. And then he took the cup. Um, some people say a cup. It was one of the four cups. It would have just been one of the four there. And most likely we think it's the cup of blessing, which is the third one. Um, that seems to make the most sense. He gave thanks, gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. So that's the other question that um, I've, been, I've, I've answered for myself because I, I had the question myself. You know, we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and it says, uh, we're given the bread, we give thanks. Uh, and he gave thanks. So take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, it's doing remembrance of me. And then Paul writes, he took the cup. And after he, and he, after he took the cup, he just goes, you know, um, this is the blood. But he doesn't say he gave thanks. Did he give thanks for both? Well, the answer is yes. Because here, we're given the account that he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. What that actually um, entails, which we go into the doctrine, is what we will begin with next week as we explore the doctrine of the Lord's table and the duration of the Lord's table, which we see in the next two verses, verses 28 and 29, which concludes the last Passover meal, transitioned or transformed into the first ever Lord's table. Stay tuned or the doctrine, because there's lots of fascinating stuff that people have got out of it, um, which you, some of you have the background, might be familiar with it. Uh, but it's good to know what, um, what, we, uh, what people can interpret out of it and what we should interpret out of it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have this sweet recording of what took place that very night in which you were one, betrayed, Lord, um, two, and ultimately what we know uh, began the journey where your plan of redemption was completed, Lord, where on the cross you declared in your words, it is finished. We just thank you that we are a people this morning that can be called redeemed. For you, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our Redeemer. We thank you that we've been brought back. 
with a price, and we recognize this morning that that price is the precious blood of Jesus. Father, we know words aren't enough to express our gratitude and our appreciation for being um, a part of your new covenant. Lord God, we just pray that you just help our lives to be a living sacrifice uh, which is holy, which is acceptable unto you, and which is our way of expressing our appreciation and our thanksgiving towards what you have done for us on the cross. May this be true in our lives each and every day, and may we be encouraged or even challenged through it. Lord God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.